0: G'day ladies and gents, welcome back to Life of Mine, the go-to mining podcast and mining YouTube channel. Matty Michael here, as per usual, and for this yarn, i got with me a couple of the Goldfields lads. Firstly, a repeat guest, Richard Butcher executive vice president for technical at goldfields and andrew bywater the general manager top dog at the granny smith gold mine and in this yarn we follow on from richard's original modernization episode all the way back in number 54 go have a listen as a bit of a prelude and we discuss further about where goldfields is at on the modernization roadmap and with Granny Smith being used as the major test mine for all these multiple new technologies, Andrew Bywater has kindly come along to detail what each piece of technology offers and both the opportunities and challenges associated with implementing it all. You'll hear about systems such as new Mobile Mobilaris, the underground Google Maps, and many more. Though a warning in advance, you would be absolutely mad not to go and watch the YouTube video of this interview because all of this technology and all the info about Granny Smith is interactively depicted via awesome videos and pictures. The ultimate interactive mining podcast experience that you will not get anywhere in the world other than life of mine. And when you get to the end of the episode, there is a bloody good chunk of love given to Granny Smith. There's gonna be a gut load of CVs going flat out to careers.goldfields.com.au which is your one-stop shop if you want to have a Goldfields badge on your PPE. And after you see this pig on a spit, the Spanish or the music band, the sport, and everything else that bloody goes on at Granny Smith, you'll be queuing up at the airport trying to get the next flight to Granny's. So, let's take a ride into the future with Goldfields. Here we go. Suck the blue. Copy, ship on. I got a radio check. Yeah, radio's working fine. Yeah, copy on Postel. Yeah, copy, mate. Yeah, in the bit bag. Yeah, stitch her up then, thanks, mate. Yeah, righto, copy that. I always, I got I got a Joe. I wonder if he's going to get it. I'll figure it out on the way. Do you think? Would you say Granny Smith is Goldfields' core asset? Um, no,
1: there's there's many actually.
0: <laughs> Apple core, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, there'd be dad jokes still yeah. keep rolling. <laughs> the dad jokes keep going. Yeah, well under. We, we were we were trying to do a hand. play
1: on that ourselves, but um. didn't yeah. work. No, we did it didn't take off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, mine hasn't either. I thought that was going to be a showstopper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we could try it. We could try it. Oh, thanks for coming in, Andrew. Andrew. Andrew, I, I keep getting, because I've been dealing with Andrew Wibley the whole time and I'll, I've been crossing over names. Andrew Bywater, thanks for, and Richard Butcher, a repeat a repeat guest with the cameras this time. I know, <laughs> you know my face. <laughs> I know, we no, we're, no we're getting away from it this time. But as what's been happening since I heard you had a bit of a trip to the Harvard uh, Business School after our last interview?
2: I have, yeah. I uh, went to Harvard Business School for two weeks uh this time well last last December. So it was the first time I'd seen snow for about two or three years. So it was quite 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 interesting. What I did was I did a, a course with all the leading international people on leading innovation and technology. And it was a very different course. There's lots of courses in the world on on innovation. There's lots of courses in the world on technology. But what Harvard's done is it studied over 200 companies to see who was successful in the world at leading innovation and leading the changes for the new, new, the fourth industrial revolution. So what these guys did was they studied over 200 companies. And what they did was they said, who has been successful on a continuous basis with innovation and technology? Within, and also creating the culture of innovation. And what were their secrets of leading people and leading
0: teams in that? Who, who were some of the big, the big names, the big companies that okay. were we, successful? We
2: had uh, people, if you look at the people who are probably one of the most successful people in this is the guys which do Toy Story.
0: Really? You know, when, you, when
2: you see Toy Story on the TV, you know, and you see all the movies, of Toy Story cars and, you know, the kind of, uh, uh, the actual Toy Story itself, they're one of the most innovative companies in the world.
0: Is that who's is, is that that pic, pic, not Pixel? Pi, Pixar Technology Pixar, yeah. which
2: is which is part of I think they're part of that they're, they're part of Disney now I think. Yeah. And but Steve Jobs actually started Steve Jobs actually started Pixar and and Pix and then he sold it to Disney. And I believe that they're probably one of the most innovative companies and what the issue about them is they have to be quite quick at what they do because you know producing their types of movies are quite budget and what have you they have to actually produce them quite quite kind of efficiently effectively and they've got a whole bunch of people which they because it's quite an imaginative type process as well as a very disciplined type process. You know, you think about a movie about guys drawing cartoons, but it's actually quite syst- systematic and disciplined. But then you've got to put the creative type aspect in it. Mm. So that actually showed they're probably one of the most successful people at this type of thing in the world. So you wouldn't have thought about that.
0: No, is it? Was there much correlation to technology in mind and mining? Is, is it all the basic principles the same of innovation?
2: Um, what the key issue is is about humans? You know, if you look at this technology innovation, this modernization journey, the key issue is after a bit, the technology side tends to leave, leave, is left behind. And the true side is about how you get people to interact with the technology and interact and take advantage of the new technical playing field. And that's the key thing about this. So you start to move from a very, very mechanical, technical type thing, to a very, very human human resources, human capacity type thing because what you're really doing is you're actually hooking into the creative side of people to work with all this data and all these systems.
0: Yeah, because, like, Andrew, you have, let's assume, as the uh, general manager of Granny Smith, you've been, you've been in the industry for a while. The technological changes from where you've started to where you are now, and yeah, as you said, Goldfield's at the forefront of harnessing technology. It'd be just a it'd be a bit of a blur, wouldn't it?
1: It's a big change. I mean, I remember starting as a, a young geo on the Golden Mile running around underground. Um, you know, small rail boggers, um, moving dirt, handheld scrapers. Yep. Um, then moving through in the 90s, you've got some of the nickel laterite technology that started coming through that didn't go that well. Yep. Um, moving through in 2000s, you see some of the things like... Um, the Mindstar systems um, and the GPS to start tracking your, your trucks and your machinery health. And now the key is to get that working underground, which I think is the next big opportunity for us. But the changes have been phenomenal and exciting. Um, Helps keep you young, actually. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. Yeah. I suppose you just go and ask your kids for help usually because they're, they're a full bottle on our know, one-year-old daughter has to have dinner with an iPad now. Like that, that's It's just I, I never thought I'd be there, but that's the way of the world now, unfortunately. Well, not well, fortunately. You can't hold back from it either. It's the uh, the old-school people trying to have to conform, don't we? I'm, I'm, I'm mid-range. <laughs> but, uh, what's... Uh, did any of that work? Well, like in the past twenty years, like well, did anything really stick, technologically? Like well, that. That well, when you spoke about new Star, Was everything sort of in and out. Was there any big technological things that stuck through that time?
1: Look, I think the you know a few quite a few years ago, the technology on the on the trucks for large open fleets started coming in. And that has come through and kept growing, you know, understanding the movements of trucks, optimizing them, the machinery health, that's got stronger and stronger over time. Um, it, It all has. And then we, you know, we dipped into, for example, the underground remote bogging from surface and we start started doing that a few years ago. But that gets stronger and stronger. So you go from a little bit of remote bogging underground and then you can do point to point where it's semi autonomous. And then next, you know, over the next few years, it becomes right. A one operator can run two machines. And that's the sort of thing the basics stick, but they get better and better. And, and we get better at them.
0: Well, yeah. And you're getting close to that true 24 hour shift, aren't you? Of continuous work.
1: Absolutely. And that's, that's where you want to get to. It's, it's to overcome that shift change downside. Opportunity where you can win back ten or fifteen percent more productivity.
0: Right. So, what's what was your background? Were you underground initially, open pit, or done a bit of both prior to being the in the senior management style?
1: Yeah. Look, it's a little bit of everything. It's um, started, as I said, running around underground in the Golden Mile, um, open pits with the the nickel laterite. and then it was into gold again, back over east. Um, so it's been quite a bit, open pit and underground. Yeah. Remember, it was early 2000s when we started up Cause um, the Cow Mine. Gold was only at 250 an ounce back then, Jeez. and some projects nearly did it. Didn't get up and running. Yeah. But part of the technology um, and perseverance and these big projects. Um, now Cal Gold is a, a billion dollar asset and still running today.
0: Yeah, God, those, those projects that were marginal back at 250 bucks an ounce, geez, you wouldn't mind getting a hold of them now at uh, 2770 or whatever it was the other day. Now it's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And, you know, it takes big investment and um, a, a lot for companies to kick those in. And back then, the big companies do that. They, they invest early in the right sort of asset and it pays off over time.
0: It's um, what is the what do you think? Why has it gone to 2700? I oh, know we're none of us are commodity <laughs> commodity experts or anything. Is it is it just a is it just supply and demand? We're getting deeper deeper mines, not as easy to get out of the ground. What's your
1: I think it's more it's probably more related to the unrest around the globe at the moment yeah. um, with what's happening. Um, gold does go through its booms and busts. It has, um, you know, we were just saying it was at two fifty an ounce back in early two thousand and uh, 15, 18 years later, it's now at two thousand seven hundred Aussie. Yeah. So, it outperforms other assets over time. So,
0: what, what do you where would go? What do you think goldfields would be doing as an organisation? Let, let's the the mine of the future you talk about that, that that's been. In in the in the scope for a while, would that mine of the future be affected in a different way if the gold price wasn't as it is? But like, is that like a a bad way to look at it? If you're not making as much money, you shouldn't invest in as much technology. Can it, is it sort of the die live by the sword, die by the sword? I think the gold price it, is a bit irrelevant, as what Andrew said.
2: The gold price goes up and down. And principally, what really drives the gold price is the the kind of the faith in the U.S. economy. In 1971, they de- Richard Nixon. There's a movie the other day on the TV about the Watergate scandal. But what people didn't realize was Richard Nixon debolted gold from money, and he basically said the reserve in 1971, the reserve currency of the world is is not gold. The reserve currency of the world is the U.S. dollar. So 1971 they departed gold and money together, right? So what it's what it's happened is over the time is whenever, as what Andrew's indicated, whenever there is major insecurity in the world, all the wealth of the world starts to flow into gold, because the wealth of the world flows between the dollar and the gold. So if you have COVID or you have a war or something like this, there's lack of faith in the US dollar, money goes back into gold because gold is a safe haven. People don't like currency into people don't like currency and economies in terms of economic instability or pandemics or what have you so when you have something like this obviously gold will kick up you know for us as what Andrews indicated gold is going to go up and down but we have to still remain viable we cannot really relate to the ups and downs I mean the reason why is if you look at the the end of the mining boom you saw the the major turbulence it caused in our industry when the boom came to the end. So the lesson from the mining boom is we have to be quite conservative about the metal prices, uh, metal prices, the economic assumptions we mine. And we have to mine certainly below the current spot price and work on that for stability. So we have to be conservative or else we will end up in a position where we don't want to. So when the if you do that, when the gold price goes up, we have got heaps of money to invest in, in other opportunities, in the gold price goes down, we still keep the jobs, we still, still steep stability. So this is probably one of when you hook this to this modernization program is, if we use conservative gold prices, can we do better? Can we increase the margin, despite inflationary pressures we have on our businesses? Can we increase the margin to make our businesses more viable so we've got more money to invest in people, projects and our communities. So that, so we're a bit, when we look at gold fields, we always take a very conservative view on gold price.
1: So Matt, the real driver for investing technology at Grant is (coughs) it's not gold price. The driver is we've got a big mine that's been running for 15 years and it's got 10 years ahead of it and it's getting deeper and it gets harder. So we need the technology to help us still keep um, productivity still help with those shift changes. The trucks these days, it's not a 45 minute round trip, it's an hour and a half now. It gets harder, but it's an enormous asset and the ore body just keeps on going. It's at 1.6 kilometer depth and still unknown where it ends. We're mining down to 1.2 depth now. So we need every bit of help we can get, regardless of gold price. It's a big investment, so invest in technology. That's what will help us sustain grannies at 250, 270,000 ounces and keep it as a key piece of the portfolio for gold fields.
0: Well, you can oh, just, just looking at your mine plan, which we'll bring up here, you can just, you just take one look at that and you just see challenge, like the thing I just think of is how long it'd take to get a truck out of a level back to the like, like it just so it looks like such a widespread ore body like which you could say that that's that's great we've got a massive a massive ore body with uh, with a heap of gold but that just produces so many challenges in terms of just haulage would be one of them just getting a getting a truck off the level and interactions and it's um i've seen it at other mines before you you, you think you're so close to Um, a stope, but once you go weaving in and out of the level, you can lose half an hour just getting a truck off the joint.
1: There's 90 kilometres of underground tunnels. Is that right? Each of the plates you see there are anywhere between half a kilometre and a kilometre in length and 400 metres to 800 metres wide. All these plates are massive plates. They're mines within themselves. Yeah. And every 150 metres, there's another plate of ore that can hold anywhere between half a million to one and a half million ounces. Unbelievable. So that's been mined. That's what um, we've mined for the last 15 years. started as an open pit. Now we're down to the 120, which is 1.2 kilometres deep. We know the current mine plan will get us to 135, and we know the ore continues to 1.6 if we can find a way to mine it economically, look after the seismic challenge that's in there. That's where all this technology and infrastructure, it is important you bring the two together. You've got to be looking after your vent, um, your water, electrical, all that side of things has got to be complemented then with this new technology. That's what we're trying to do to keep this asset a fantastic asset, and and it is a great one. You know, it's still got ten years ahead of it. It's mined four million ounces. It still has another two ahead at least, and it could be another two on top of that. So, still enormous potential, which is why Goldfields is taking the time to invest many millions of dollars every year to essentially modernise Grannies.
0: So is. As part of the, the modernisation process, from from where we left off in our last interview, Richard, is grannies a big component of the testing? Like is it is it is it, is. is it one of your more challenging assets in terms of requiring the technology? Well, I think
2: you've got to look at something. All our assets are under cost pressures. So all our assets, I mean, I'll come back to the grannies in a second, but the first one when we look at this, people have got to understand the cost pressures which we are. In 2013, when I went back through some of my documentation, we were mining gold in Australia at a $1,000 an ounce. Today, we're mining gold at about $1,500 an ounce. Now, the inflation and the gold price helps us out. Generally, when we see, we see inflationary pressures of about 40 to $50 an ounce. And when we look at change from open cut to underground, when we look at grays going down, we're looking at a, an incremental cost of about $70 per ounce per year. So you understand some of these, but on the flip side, we've got great reserves, we've got great resources, we've got great people, we've got great assets, we've got great, all this type of stuff. So all our assets are under that type of pressure, okay? So you understand, but on the good side, what's great with grannies is because grannies is such a great, great mine we're using grannies as one of our test mines to test all this type of infrastructure. And that's where Andrew and his team are so instrumental in this whole program. Mm. So in many cases, they're the guinea pig.
0: Yep, yep. I got that vibe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but how, yeah, as, as the GM, well, like, that'd just be such an exciting thing to be involved in. All this, all this new technology coming and seeing it prove dividends. It'd be unbelievable to be a part of.
1: It is. It, it's very exciting and first of all, I think we're pretty lucky in Goldfields that they've taken a really strategic approach to technology, realising it's something that all minds need. And we saw the opportunity at Granny's, so we, we've we jumped for it and, and we're open to new technology. But there's, there's a few different aspects. So. Graham Ovens is Head of um, VP for Operations in Goldfields. He's taken a few of us to some of these mines in Scandinavia, across Scandinavia, so we can see what this technology does on the ground. And what we've been able to do is go and see best practice at some of these other mines, see what's working, see their challenges, and then work out, let's work with that OEM, let's work with that provider what can work back at grannies to understand what's needed for this technology journey so it's not a one hit wonder. So we've, we've seen many mines over there and there's some amazing things happening. And there's some real leading companies like what believe them do. And we're trying to take the best of that. If we can take the best of what we see overseas in the technology, combine it with Australian mining experience and know how, we know we're going to be on a winner here. But it's a big investment and takes time so there's the company support behind us but then we do have an amazing team at granny's and they have up taken a lot of the technology so we'll talk about some of the new tracks monitoring and what we've seen and how our people have grabbed it and seen what it can do and then they do great things with it as well
0: well yeah we've got plenty of new track stuff to talk about why why scandinavia Uh, what's different over there why are they harnessing technology over there? That I guess uh, Australian mines, for instance, haven't. Why, why are we Why are we heading over there to look at what they're doing? What's special? So about the,
2: them? the kind of reason why was why is when we looked at the world. I think we spoke about this last time. Their mile, when we look at the technological journeys, most people would look at companies like Pilbara. And we'd go down we'd have a look down the airport you look at the Rio Tinto operation center you look at the BHP building and you look at those mines and you say we want to do what they're doing our mines are fundamentally different to bulk iron ore mines you know to modernize a bulk iron ore mines despite the challenges is very different they're quite infrastructure driven you know port rail you know the mining compared with our mine is relatively Simple compared with the complexities of our mining. So, a lot of the things you'll see, and despite the challenges they've had implementing those, and we shouldn't take that from them, are very, very different. They're about, in, you know, you can modernize a port where you go down a free mantle, you'll see the port is modern. So, they can take a lot of that stuff. Our minds are fundamentally different to their minds. Okay. Our minds are fundamentally different to big bulk open cuts. The geology is more complex, the depths are more complex. The grade is lower, all sorts of, all sorts of reasons. The Swedish mines are more like our mines. They're in remote locations near the Arctic Circle. They have grade problems we have. They have some of the metallurgical problems we have. They have complexity of all bodies, which we have. Um, they've been through a situation where they're ravaged by fluctuating metal prices. So they've actually, they're, they're very, very much akin to some of the problems which we have. So when we look at this technology and innovation program, we had to find an analog or something similar which we could hook into. You now, if I show Andrew the Pilbara brine or mines and say, we want to do that, Andrew's gonna say, that sounds great, but how, do I, how does that really relate to what I'm doing at Granny's? And Pil Ryan is a great story, but if I say to Andrew, Andrew will never buy into that story, that we could do something like that. Something in Sweden, we could. Uh, Sweden's also gone through a lot of the, the issues such as diversity, such as inclusion, some of the, the cultural issues. There are differences because you're dealing with a very advanced European society as opposed to you know uh, some of the developing aspects we have. But the analogue is more akin to what we're doing here.
1: I think some of the other things you see with the over in Europe and Scandinavia is the big drive and the understanding of electric technology, electric battery. So that's a big driver and we've got the Sandviks and the EpiRocks that are really pushing ahead with the underground equipment that'll be able to help us with reduced diesel emissions. And that started to, to get a real run on. Um, grannies can't use a lot of battery technology at the moment because of the depth. However, over the next five years, we'll definitely see a lot more on the loaders and the drills, and that has started at some mines, especially if they're a bit shallower. Eventually, the holy grail will be how do you get your trucks with the battery technology. That will come with time, and when that does, that will open up another opportunity for us as well.
0: Well, imagine not dealing with vent restrictions.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Like, no, none of this, uh, uh, nothing on your shift chute zone, one, one bog or two trucks up at this certain area, you, you completely omit that issue, yeah. don't you? Once you once you bring in the battery equipment. It's, uh, I think I spoke to Mal Major from Sam, C- it's a good follow on from, this is the last one I had last week, this will be the, second youtube video from that and he said i think nothing on the artisan z50 gets yeah. above 100 degrees in temperature like the it the doesn't produce any yeah. heat compared to a combustion diesel engine it's um it's pretty exciting,
1: and and the new jumbos. You'd be interested in this. The, yeah. the electric four two two
0: eyes are amazing. That it parked up in the uh, in the main street at Brisbane at the CMB digitalisation conference yeah. last year. As far as didn't get egged or something, but it's um <laughs> but they it was yeah. so fun. They yeah. literally had an extension cord run out to it um, with a trickle charge from inside, and you could you could operate it on a, mm. um move it around, and it was um yeah it's pretty pretty amazing piece of technology.
2: There's also something else in terms of this and you got to look at how our society is changing. You can't look at the worries which people have. One of the biggest worries people have today is climate change. Yep. One of the biggest worries in the world is security of people. And you know, if you look at some of the global problems in the world is there's a lot of people feel hopeless. You know, you look at these riots in Beirut just now after after the bombs gone off and There's a lot of general insecurity in society and concern about the future. And and one of the reasons why we looked at the Swedish operations was because they seem to have addressed or trying to address some of those major social concerns. So people have got to look at the future. The future is not just about hard-nosed mining. The future is about societal change. You know, when we look at my, I go to my kids and say, come and work in the mines and they laugh at me. I mean, I said to my wife, I said I've got a picture of myself well, when I ran long shaft with all the crew there, with all the tats and everything like that. <laughs> and my wife, every day when I talk about women in mining, she pulls a picture out and says, "That is why women don't want to work in mining." <laughs> and she shows me pictures of all the guys, all the tats on, and she says, "That is why the bulk." And if we look at Sweden, we look at that social transition. That is why we looked at Sweden as well, because they seem to have gone through the social transition of diversity, of decarbonization, all that other type of stuff, which is is, worry, is key and is, is worries to people. And certainly it's worries to my kids. They said you guys have stuffed up the planets, you baby boomers, and you left us with a problem. <laughs> right. But it's it's. But society is also changing and the way society will work will also. So we have to be also attuned. It's not just about bog, dirt, fixed gear, manage people. We have to be attuned to those, the way society will move or else we won't become relevant.
0: Well, you can tell your kids not to worry. Half the women in mining now have got tats as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so from, yeah. from our last chat, where, where's, where's go, where's, where are we at on the roadmap? The modernization roadmap for the goldfields uh, mine of the future. Where What's, what's some cool new goss, and cool new news on it? Okay, so, so what
2: I'd probably like to do is just, you know, it may be about six months since we last had a chat, is yeah. just recap some of the major high points. I think the first one is this concept of sustainable gold mining. Why would we do this? why would anyone want to mine a piece of metal which basically goes into wedding rings why would we want to align to that why would we do why would we want to you know certainly you know copper it goes in your house aluminium it goes in your house why would we want to be part of this sustainable journey what is the cause which we as a company are involved in and i think it's important to go through history to say why this cause, which we're mining gold, is so important. I think it relates to, to the conversation which which we had initially. Gold has been the anchor point for societal stability. Now, it's exactly like this COVID stuff. You've seen major uncertainty in the world. Gold price has gone up. Why? Because people have found historically, if you trust currency in the market in times of uncertainty, you know, you can get yourself into a horrible situation you'll see place like india and china the cultures they have a lot of gold they buy a lot of physical gold because history has shown them that you know they can't really trust where the way things are going so we're involved in sustaining world stability because gold has been the anchor point to prevent hyperinflation in the world so that's the journey that's the cause and we're we're involved in actually sustaining that that journey. If you look at the last hundred years, we've mined we've mined maybe two thirds of the ounces have been mined in the last hundred years. So the demand for roll? gold, go? the demand for gold, we've mined about three billion ounces in the last years. Yep. So mine two in the last hundred years we've lost we've lost mined two thirds the amount of ounces. Why? Because gold has been a fundamental, fundamental input into the society stability, gold was fundamental to rebuilding the world after the Second World War. And you'll see now the, the shifting of gold as we look at times of uncertainty. So we're involved in
0: that story. Why? Why was it fundamental after the World War Two? Because the currencies of Europe were worth nothing. Yeah, and gold was the safe haven. Gold was a
2: safe haven. Yeah. And strangely enough, the guys which were behind this was there was a thing called the Bretton Woods Agreement in 1944, where they all pinned everything on the gold price. And gold was the backing for the currency. So you see, when we have societal movements in society, gold always backs it. Gold is all, always the underpin of the wealth of our of, the wealth of our developed society. And certainly in 100 years, the demand for gold has increased. But if we look at this on the other side, the supply of gold is decreasing. You know, exactly the things we spoke about, about kind of um, the mines getting deeper, the grades going down, we're not spending enough money in exploration, all that type of stuff. So what we're about is we're about making that journey sustainable. And that's what everyone, every employee in this business is involved in societal stability. And that's quite a very long draw, but in one way or another, we're involved in that. So you, you look at the amount of money. You go now, you you, you go down the Perth Mint now and try to buy, buy, buy a kangaroo coin. They've got like a six-month waiting list or some yeah, thing, right. thing like that. What
0: is the kangaroo coin, a pure gold coin Pure gold coin, yep.
2: like an ounce coin. It's kangaroo it's like a Cougar and yep. or go. So you buy a coin down there, you go knock on the pint door, and you ask for some coins and they don't have any. Why? Because folk are worried. It's a fundamental, and because it's seen as the, the backing for hyperinflation or potential hyperinflation in our society. So that's the cause which we're involved in. And what this program's about is it's about sustaining that cause. So everyone is involved in that global journey. So people, every employee in, this, in the business, every employee in the world gold industry is involved in that journey. And that's the cause which we're involved in. So when people say goal's not relevant, this, this, this mission we're on is not relevant," you've got to think little you zoom out of this and zoom out about the history of the world, why it's important that we transcend or transition the goal sector post because what we're doing now is we're, we're really living on the Industrial Revolution, and we're moving into this fourth industrial revolution is post the Industrial Revolution side. So there's a, a big societal change, but gold is going to be still the underpinning of that society. And that's what we're involved in. We're making the gold industry more sustainable. So society is more, and that is our core. So that's the first one to really think about why we're doing this. The second one we're thinking about it speaks to the conversation I had about my kids. No one wants to come and work in mining anymore. You now, I was looking at some figures from one of the recruitment agency, and they say in Canada, 50% of the engineers are retiring in two years' time. We are going to have a major recruitment problem all across the board. Operators, technical skills, you name it. HR folk, folk don't want to work in mining.
0: now, Do sense. Yeah.
2: It happens now. Mm. You've seen when the mining boom goes on, we can't get folk. Yeah. Right? We can't. And why? Because our kids don't want to go and do it. So we have to transcend the mining industry to a more modern culture. If you one of the reasons why we spoke, to Andrew we spoke about the Swedish analog was when you go to those mines in Sweden, they're like factories. You know, they're like factories, you come in, the offices are clean, they're, they're diverse, they're very, very different to what we would be. So that's, so there's some real societal reasons why. Is that, is
0: that part of the people? Is the people the big driver, the, the, the mentality pe- of the people? The people, the mentality of the people, but they're, they're quite a the Swedish.
2: The Swedish are very Swedish are a very kind of democratic, uh, liberal type of, type of nation. And our societies will move more towards that type of model. So we have to be akin to this because a lot of this is about people. A lot of this is about people and their interaction with the industry. So there's a there's a big, larger story, chunk, as well as what Andrew spoke about: the need to be more efficient, generate more cash, be more economically sustainable. So there's a couple of big buckets when we look at this: is the overall goal and how we play, the how things will tra- transcend and This fourth industrial revolution, with a tipping point in 2025, and there's also this other thing, such as the, the the economics and the and the viability of our business to produce a sustainable future for all our employees, and that's a genuine desire, certainly from myself. A lot of the exco that we do have a company that goes for the next hundred years.
0: But it's it's funny how you say uh, it would be so common you could go up to. So many people, probably over 90% of people that work in gold mines and like, what do they use gold for? They're like, no, rings. Yeah. <laughs> like like the, the, the purpose, it's so... And I would have been, I couldn't have given an explanation like you did. I would have just said, I don't know, rings and probably goes in a phone or something. But as you said, the purpose of it's such a massive industry that probably people don't know why they're doing it. Well, well if you, you actually look at this in 1970, if you look at the history of gold in
2: 1971, you know, everyone talk about Watergate and Richard Nixon. What he did was he, he he destroyed the the gold standard, so currency was peeled to the gold. So what he did was he destroyed the gold standard and make the U.S. currency the reserve currency of the world. That's why everything's done in the U.S. dollars. But on the other side, who is the biggest buyer of gold in the world? The, the US. U.S. economy. <laughs> okay, so so talk about hedging your bets, right? Yeah. So, so when you look at this. So it's important to understand our, our journey and why and what is the cause here.
0: Yes. It's, uh, what it'll, it'll, and it leads into where, well, what better to have than GM of Granny Smith, the guinea pig of, of this modernisation project, <laughs> you'd say, <laughs> here to follow on from that. And uh, we'll bring up the, well, th- this would be your fly-in view, wouldn't it? This would be uh, once a week or twice a week. You'd look at that photo, wouldn't you? Yeah, we
1: go over the dams and yeah, the old the pit, sky. That's right.
0: Yeah. What? So before we get into all the the flash technology yeah. that that we're seeing at Granny's at the moment, like I'm sure that you're Andrew, you're so invested in this project, and you know when you get to your role, it's not cause of money. There'd be a passion a passion in it. Where what? What's your history with technology? to see to where you are today and why you are so passionate about getting involved in it?
1: Look, I've, I've seen some, I've seen when top technology hasn't worked that well. Um, I went through the, the nickel laterite right boom. I, I was at Coors Nickel. We had Coors, Bulong and Murren. And, um, you know, we were using high pressure acid leach technology there. And although some of it was off the shelf, the application did not run smoothly. Um, all of those three operations lost money for their investors and in part for the community by the time they'd finished. And that's very disappointing. And um, there's a better way to do it. And then also there was um, BHP with um, Ravensthorpe, an initial $1 billion investment, ended up at $3 billion written down.
0: Really? There's
1: been some big examples where the technology hasn't worked. And I want to make sure that's not what we have going forward. It's very important for not just a company, not just our employees, but for a community um, and for WA and Australia that those sort of things don't happen again. So what we can now see and what's important to me is technology has to be able to do at least three or four things. It needs to make it a safer environment for our people. It needs to also make their job easier. It needs to then link into the productivity and the utilization side. But it's also got a fantastic sustainability and how we are part of the globe and how we can benefit and do better than what we've done in the past and become sustainable. Those four things are really important to me. When we're thinking about technology, when I think about technology, what am I going to bring to grannies? What am I bringing to gold fields? What's sustainable, not a one hit wonder. Yep. Not something that's just going to be here for a year. What's going to leave a legacy so that I'll leave behind eventually something better than what I came to. Yep. So they're, they're important parts of technology for me.
0: Because how important is patience? <laughs> in, a, in, a, in something like this. Obviously, patience wasn't a virtue in uh, the nickel laterite boom. Is, yeah. is that where it can go so wrong, trying to rush this, rush technology in when it's not the right fit?
1: Look, it can. Patience, coming back to that. So, what we find is although you're buying off-the-shelf um, items, the amount of R&D you have to do to get them working in the underground environment is enormous. They will, even though we scope out our projects very carefully, we work out the cost, the time. We assign really smart and experienced people to work on these projects. There's a project team at Granny's uh, led by Michael Place that helps get these in into the mine. Even with all this support from the company, the investment, they often cost twice as much and take (laughs) twice as long to get in place.
0: And that's not then, on the initial quote. Or, that's th- not, uh, they yeah. don't quote you that or, <laughs> They don't tell you that <laughs> on either. the back of the box.
1: <laughs> no, they don't. But we've learnt that that is part of this journey. And, and we're very early into this journey. You, you can't go into this half-hearted. We will spend at least $5 million a year for five years to do this yep. job properly to retrofit our mine and get it modernised so that it really can... Maybe not just go for ten years, but hopefully twenty. Yeah, they're they're big investments and they take longer than any of us would like.
0: But it'd be the best thing about it, as you said, it's a this modernisation project culture you'd say, because so, it's coming, it's being fed from the top down. Just knowing that you know you're not going begging for five million a year to try and make the mine better. Just knowing that the whole organisation is on board. It just It'd make it just such a better experience.
1: It certainly makes it a lot easier when um, our CEO, Nick Holland, is very supportive. Um, Stuart Matthews, Head of Australian Goldfields, and as I mentioned before, Graham Ovens. And then, you know, we get that support right through the organisation as well. And the way we build support at the face is when we bring technology in and our employees can see the benefits. So one of the examples there is with our new tracks technology, um, it used to take us between 45 minutes to an hour to fully account for people when we have a mock evacuation. So, you know, we do a lot of work on the safety side, that it's always the safe production. But by the time we could account for people in the refuge chambers, it was nearly an hour. The because new- of the-
0: as we're saying, just the sheer go go back to it, like look at the
1: partly the yep. look
0: at look at the look at where you're looking for everyone
1: kilometers what? and kilometers yeah. unbelievable yeah and then they have to get the message and they could be out of comms range and yep. there's so many different reasons and then they have to get to the refuge chambers then and this is all going over radio in the past mm. what New tracks lets us do is um, the cap lamps will have a a little monitor in them. So we can now account for our people in a mock emergency instead of it taking an hour, we've got it down to 20 minutes. Yep.
0: How many, how many people are we talking underground at, at like, on average one time? time anywhere
1: between 150, 180 people. Yep, spread so about,
0: over 90 kilometers of yep. road there.
1: So when people can see there's a benefit for them And they can see safety is one of the priorities we have, and it comes first. That helps with the buying and the engagement, which is so important Mm. because then you you build that engagement and then you can move on to the other things, which we'll get to discuss.
0: Exactly. Where, and I know you talked about it for a lot, there's all these different technologies you're employing, but it comes back to that, the backbone. Well, where where do you start? Where 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 did Granny start on the journey of modernisation as the as quoted the guinea pig?
1: So I mean you start by having you have to have a holistic view of where do you want to get to, but how do I get there? So the first thing we've learnt and looking again at some of the mines um overseas is you need a very strong backbone so that it's a digital backbone so that you can receive and send data, huge amounts of data. And the backbone we're setting up that is a, a relatively new thing for Australia underground is what we call an LTE 4G system. So LTE's long-term evolution.
2: And I forgot
0: f- to Google that on my way and I didn't know what LTE <laughs> oh, yeah. I stood for. Yeah. And I, forgot, I was hoping you'd bring it up. And there the
1: 4G, it's the fourth generation of this wireless type of network. Um, so it started very rudimentary and it's on its way to four. And there is five, obviously, but we're yeah. using LTE 4G. And that involves kilometres and kilometres of underground um, fibre and nodes to create a network so that essentially all our people in our machines and fixed assets can eventually, we can understand and see where they're at and they can see where each other are at. Yeah. The backbone has to be set up properly. If you don't get that right, then everything else won't connect, won't come together. So, so that's where we've started. We've spent, we spent a year and a half searching for developing And where we've got to is that we now have this backbone rolled out down the main part of the decline. So it's in in the main artery. But over the next year, we'll get it out to the veins and we'll get it out to all the other areas. But starting in the decline, so that we can start to get that data so that trucks and people um, can link in and receive data as well as give out data.
0: So when you say data, that's um let's go through examples i gather we're talking truck weights maintenance like endless endless amounts of data what what, what's the initial scope of what data you're going to be getting now i guess
1: the first thing is location let's start with the simple one where are the trucks and people because one of the things that leads into is there's so much congestion on a decline if trucks and lvs can see where they are relative to each other um, and there's some software that can do that, that's the Mobilara software, if they can start to do that, you can start to reduce congestion. So instead of a, an LV coming right up, getting to the truck and then having to reverse, and mm. occasionally a truck having to stop, yep. we want to avoid that. So there's location data, there is weight data, there's machinery health, yep. the revs, um, tire pressure, all all the equipment um health data will start coming through. Eventually it'll be um, inventory data, it'll be fleet management, it's um photography and digital data from the mapping, from the geologists, mm. it's the planning data, tasks, and it just keeps going, going. Yeah. And that's where it turns into what we call an integrated platform. So as well as having the backbone, you then need a, a platform that can capture assess and understand and turn all that information into something that's really useful. Yeah. So that's another piece of this puzzle um, that we work on as well. So, so, it's, so it's,
0: a, it's a live mine, like it's none, none of this day shift, night shifts, hando, like it's just a 24 hour flowing operation.
1: That's where we'd like to get to. The yeah. vision is to take the lid off the mine um, so that you're doing that. We should say we're only, we're two years into this journey, it's going to take at least five years. But, yep. but that is the vision, the 24-hour flowing, understanding, optimizing, safer, yep. people enjoying their jobs so they don't have to drive round to check on pumps in sumps. It's got a monitor on it that will feed back and tell them if it's working. Yeah. So now yep. shift bosses eventually will be able to just go and do the more important things, which is getting in touch with their people and seeing mm. how they're going, instead of getting in touch with a piece of machinery.
0: Well, it's just such a big flow-on effect, isn't it? Like you say, shift bosses, an example. Safety and training is another. You're you're reducing incidents. You're you're reducing checks. Like there's more, so much more time for training and and one-on-one communication and mentoring and like all these positive things that should be happening but you get so weighed down on incidents and and things like that yeah you, you just hear so many people are like I wanted to get into safety and training but I'm just bogged down by incident paperwork things like that they're having this long-term so, technology so- it's mm-hmm. just all all in aids in removing that
2: so it's important just to understand pick up on your couple of points about how you do this you know and it's important to understand what the key features of of how we do this and also talk Mm -hmm. to you about all this other stuff all this human stuff when we look at the program this program is chunked as i said before into three phases horizon one which is really about taking the best stuff we have which is plug and play and putting in our minds to make our minds modern Yep. horizon two which is the second part, which speaks to what Andrew is saying is, where we take all these systems and everything we've learned, and we hook them into an integrated mine, which talks to the features you are are about, about having enough time, about getting the data, how does the data work, how do we work with the data, being able to control the operations in a more efficient way, lifting the lid off off the mines. And Horizon 3 is where we come into the more automated type systems, such as where we look at things like very basic artificial intelligence to really do some of the analysis or the plods and things like this. Very, very basic without mm. displacing people. So those are the, so this is like a five, five, six year journey. You know, probably the tipping point is around about 2025. So that's how we, we have to, because this is such a big elephant, we have to break this down into a number of, chewable phases or else you end up in the situation which Andrew spoke to where you have technology failure. Yep. The other one to look at this is to understand there are three streams of this work. Because it's such a large project. You know, you you're shifting the whole mining industry. So you basically break that into three streams of work. The first one is your digital stuff, you know, the LTEs, the Wi-Fi's, you know, your people which run it, that type of digital stuff. The second phase is your vision. What does this stuff look like when it all hooks together? And how are you going to roll it out? So there's a strategy component. Then the third one is what we call new ways of working. When you build this stuff, it's going to change the way you work. In other words, you can't you can't build a, the NASA space shuttle and have a bloke who runs a steam train engine running it. It's going to change the way you work. So there's three three streams: digital, strategy, and there's new ways of working. So there's three. That's how we. That's how we're eating this cake into three major phases and three streams of work.
0: I suppose no one's got any fear of automation taking away jobs because all, all this technology is going to require. Like it's it's so much more potential and opportunity for people to get involved in the mining industry. Um, Each piece of technology brings another job as well.
1: I think it's fair to say there there is some people that are concerned, but you're right. We we think there will be so many jobs and they'll be fine-tuned and we'll need to train people differently. So, Mm. for example, the the bogger operators may be running two machines from surface. We will still need the skilled operators to run everything. Yeah. Eventually, there might be some opportunities with the truck automation, but that's a long way down the line. But you still have someone sitting in the background running the fleet. Exactly, And for us, that's quite a long way away. So I think we'll morph, we'll have time. And what we want to do, we absolutely want to bring our people with us. Mm. I don't think anyone has to lose a job over automation, the way we're moving. That's how we'd like to see it. We do need people to get on board with different ways of operating. We will need some retraining, but there is so much work on, it's just a different type of work and we'll get more efficient. I'd rather keep the same, we have 800 employees at Granny's. I'd love to keep 800 employees, but have a five, 10, 15% productivity improvement Mm. with the new technology. That's what we'd like to see, and that's more
2: about what we're trying to do. So, so so we don't actually see heaps of people losing their jobs. We actually see we'd be probably looking for people. Just Mm, like the words I say is a bunch of baby boomers like me are retired Sue. Folk don't want to go into mining. So we may be looking for jobs. Okay. The other one as well to think about, and you can, I think there's some good examples in Australia of FMG of Rio Tinto is jobs shift. You know, you take if you, there's a video, the Rio Tinto video, and it talks about a, a guy who used to be a truckie and now he's running his trucks from the operations center down in Perth. You can Google that. Mm. You see that shifting of the jobs in terms of this. We also see the creation of jobs. You know, if you look at one of the things we're going to create is we have to create a digital infrastructure, a digital function. So far, we've got an INT function and we're trying to change it to a true digital function. That's going to create jobs.
0: Exactly. Going to
2: create jobs which my son, my son doesn't like mining, but he's an IT guy. Loves computers. (laughs) That's the type of job which people are going to do. People which want to drive remote. You know, people play, I play TV games with my son or games with some sometimes. And those are jobs which our new generation of folk want to do. So we're going to see a shifting of the jobs in terms of, we're going to see a lot of the transactional work, a lot of the, and of really grinding-type work is taken out, that's going to be done by systems. But we're going to see a lot more head work, a lot more thinking work, a lot more cleaner-type work. So so we don't see heaps of people losing their jobs at all in probably in many cases. Certainly initially, we probably see ourselves hiring people.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and you just dangle the carrot. Yeah. Easier to get off the truck and on the service crew now because they're all reminded. This is a, <laughs> every cloud has a silver lining. Well... I guess we could start going through in detail the these technologies that are that are currently being implemented and at Granny's and I'm sure many other places in Australia. Well, where would you like to start? New Tracks, perf- perfect place to start. Where would you like to start?
1: Well, I guess just a, a little bit of background, and, and we have mentioned it already, but um, New Tracks is uh, a monitoring system where people can be contacted or they can contact others in an emergency when they're underground. So um, essentially, you'll have a, a little piece that goes on the cap lamp. Employees register their cap lamp in the before they start shift and then it's monitored. And um, you can see when they're heading underground and where they are. Not really detailed resolution, but at yep. least approximate levels. Yep. But, you know, this this can be really good for lone workers. If there is an emergency, they can get a flash on their light and they'll yep. know they have to get back to a central base or a refuge chamber. Yep. So it's a contactable piece now that we never had in the past if they were out of comms range.
0: So how how do you, I remember you saying before, you can literally, whether they're in and out of comms, it doesn't matter. How How, how is it possible now that you can... Say contact someone at a dead end heading on a jump operator, right at the end of the heading, and tell him he needs to go to a refuge chamber. They do
1: still need to have some contact. There still needs to be nodes in the region yep. to to get that contact. So it's yep. not a total blank. Yeah. Um. But that could come off their vehicle. It could come off the underground Wi-Fi. It also links into the leaky feeder system. Yeah. So it picks up all of that, and it even now picks up the fiber and LTE. So it's actually picking up. Just about anything that can help get a signal, that's how they'll link. But yeah, if they're absolutely in a blank area and and hundreds of metres away from uh, a node, they won't get contact. But overall, it's a much better system Mm. than it ever has been. Whenever they can get radio comms, they'll be in contact. So it's
0: a real improvement on what we've seen in the past. Yeah. So this is... What the Michael Place that you mentioned before, the uh, the, the technology poster boy of, like, <laughs> it, it appears. Look at him he's he famous now. <laughs> now. what are we looking at here? Is that is that a picture of like a schematic that links into the new track system or it's probably bigger than new
1: tracks, but it is a layout of the mind to start to look at where are people and trucks, and what's the movement? And this actually leads into another bit of technology called Mobilaris. Yeah. So Mobilaris actually has, it'll be a tablet that will go into our vehicles. The best way to describe what it is like is a Google Maps for Underground. Yeah. So it brings up on the tablet the um, outline of the mine, it's it, very similar to the Google display when you're driving along, but it's the underground mind map environment. So it yep. tells you where the cutties are, the turnoffs, oh, um, a- where the stockpiles are. And th- that's a cross section view through there. And, oh, there so there's, there's that's,
0: your, and that's in your LV.
1: That, that will be, that's starting to go into LVs now. Yep. So the idea is, the other really key piece of the puzzle that sits in the Mobile R system, although there's many, many applications, I think one of the best ones is that on the side of that, it's about vehicle interaction. There's a a little piece that says whether you are within 500 metres of another vehicle. And as they get closer, it will show you you're going 500, 400, 300, which is letting you get ready to either, if you're an LV, yep. you need to get off the decline so the the truck loaded truck can come through. So starting to see where all the other equipment, and it will also pick up where people are. So this is very powerful as well. When you're moving around the mine, you'll see the map and you'll see a symbol that says there's a person working or sitting onto the side. There's a truck, there's an LV, and you'll be older. Everyone will now start to have much more information and understanding, which helps with safety and traffic flow. And again, instead of needing to reverse up, an LV comes across a truck because there's so much chatter on the radio. It's so busy in our decline. You know, we've got nearly 13, up to 13, 65 tonners moving around. Plus many, many LVs, which I've lost count of. Mm all that interaction, we have actually hit our limit with the number of trucks we can have underground and machinery. This will help us manage that a little bit better um, and get some productivity gains from that.
0: Yep, because with that, this cross-section of the, that's the Mobilaris system as well, is it?
1: It'll be Mobilaris plus some other add-ons on the integrated platform. So you're also starting to see some vehicle health through there and some some feedback on um, machinery revs and yeah, little bits of data from some of yep. the trucks eventually it'll have weights movements and that sort of thing but the most important piece there is being able to see uh, a shift boss being able to see right i've got someone down at the z120 and i've got some work happening in the 110 the closest person to help the person in the 110 with whether equipment or just labor, I'll get the person from 120 because that's where I know exactly where they are now. So that sort of integration can start to help everyone. And we want to give this information to the employees so they can make really informed decisions. They will know who's closest. They'll know who to call up. They know who can give them a hand or where to find um, their piece of machinery. All those little things hopefully will start to add up Yep. to make a more productive environment.
0: Well, but how? What, what was the response from people seeing that in a in an LV? Like a like you know an underground mining LV is usually just absolutely filthy. So, once <laughs> we lucky to, like, nothing's like it, lucky to survive in it. Once we <laughs> did a, some <laughs>
1: trials and got agreement on where it would sit, because it is another bit of kit. Yeah. The feedback's been really good. Yep. People really like it. Can you imagine being a new starter in a mine, in a truck, and you can dial in Z120, take me 1.2 kilometers to the bottom of the mine and know how to get there on day one. Instead so that, that of taking gives you a route, does it? Yeah.
0: Absolutely. That
1: can give you the it's route. Just like a Can take you yeah. anywhere. It's just like yeah. a Google Maps yeah. type scenario. Yeah. Yeah where you've got the LTE which at the moment is through the main thoroughfares okay, yep, yeah yep. it it needs the mobile RS and new tracks need that backbone they need that to be able to move the comms back and forth that's how you can then bring in this type of new technology
0: yeah so how, and so how is this getting into the system is this uh like is it survey uploading Dxfs or mine plans to the Mobile R system and how, how does how does that whole process so work? So in the
1: background, again, the in, part of the integration and part of the reason we need to do so much R&D on these projects, we need to work through exactly what you just spoke about. How do we bring in Deswick Ops and mine plans and the latest survey data, all that needs to link into what we do. So that now becomes site specific. So that needs its own um, work done in the background on the engineering and the technology, yep.
2: and all that has to happen for this to work. Remember what I said to you about Horizon 2? Mm. Horizon 2 is about that integration, because once you've got all this stuff, you go out and you buy it, how does it all clip together? And how does it clip together t- to turn a dollar and make your life easier?
0: Yeah, It's wh- – what's been the culture – what's the culture been like so far? Like. We talk about change, like society, Uh, grannies in particular, bringing in all this new technology, which is, it's different. Um, It's probably, it's exciting too, but it's different. Um, Is it, everyone getting on board?
1: Look, I'm really impressed. Most people are embracing it and they are a bit excited about it and they're interested because We've been doing the same things in mining for a long time and right. most people don't mind a little bit of change as long as it's for the right reason. Overall, grannie's has embraced the change. they embrace the new tracks. 90 percent, 95 percent of the people are really on board. Yep. Some people struggle with it a little, but we'll spend time with them because mm. the, the thing is we don't want to leave anyone behind. Yep. So, it's been good uptake. So, New Tracks was the first one, Mobile Mobilaris, and it's just coming through now. I think we'll see the same thing. The reason people appreciate it and the reason it, it's an engagement tool is that it makes their job easier. And that's a really important part of what we're doing here. If your job's made easier, people will embrace it. And yep. if they know it's helping to build safety, and pe- most people like to be most productive as well. So again, you, you're working through one or three of those pieces of the puzzle. I think that's why um, we're getting engagement from our
2: really good underground operators and entire crew. So, so if I go back to the Toy Story thing, when you lead this type of change in a company, very, very different. And one thing which we're akin to Toy Story as opposed to getting it right, is when you bring bring innovation and technology or modernization into the company, you have to lead from the back. And what that really means is you have to lead in a very collaborative type way. So basically what you do is put the problem down and say, this is what where we think we are. This is what we think we could do. What do you think? Engagement. What do you think we should do? How do you think we should see the world? The in factor. You know, Take people over to Sweden and say, and when you get everyone down and everyone puts their ego under the table for a second, everyone is pretty much aligned. When people know you're not going to steal the jobs, when people know you're trying to do things for the better, when people understand that you're talking logic Mm -hmm. and sense, and that really what you want to do is you want to engage people and say, how do you reckon this stuff will work? Because some of it, like what Andrew says, is you just can't. It's not like a toaster. You can go buy it and plug it in and yeah. get some toast out of it. So <laughs> some of it has to be played around with. You got to work with it. You've got to you know, talk to folk about how it works. So that type of leading from the back, and this is why companies have failed at this, is when you've got a very top-down approach, which says, thou shalt, mm. you tend to fail. But when you say, well, this is what the problem is, let's talk about how we would do this, you tend to have a lot more success, but it's important to understand that we've been on this journey for a couple of years now, so it's taken a bit of time to get people's heads around it.
0: It's it's it seems like when you say it's a it big component of bringing in the technologies for the safety benefits, but it seems like it's easy safety com- in com- historically of bringing yeah. in an extra checklist or box tick and yeah. exercise. It's just. Um, the you, you just you're, you're promoting just unrest it's just it's a, it's an as an operator it just gets annoying whereas this automated forms of technology with just beeping and and things like that it's 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 moving safety in such a more positive direction i think that people are going to get on board with instead of uh well you know what it, you know what it's like an extra any yeah. extra thing you got to do with a pen and papers just uh more time and Whether it works or not, I don't know. But um, Well, we want to get rid of pen and paper. Completely. What what we
2: really want to do with all this stuff is, I mean, if you actually look at statistics, statistics say that 40% of our employees come to work disengaged. Yep. And that's throughout the whole world, 40%. And if you're doing well, you can get that disengagement factor down to maybe 20%. Is
0: that that as in when they start? When they come to work to start, they'll be engaged by the end. But when they no. rock up or just totally, t- disengaged. T- totally disengaged,
2: totally disengaged. Forty percent of the world's population come to work with their brains off. Yep. So you imagine the whole intellectual horsepower we are losing as an organisation. Yep. So you imagine if we can put these things in, and we can get fifty percent or 60% or 80% of our employees engaged. In other words, they're not doing mind-blowing yeah. work of tick boxes and with their brains turned. You imagine what we can do. You imagine the problems we can solve, which we can do. You imagine the the total, they call it collective genius, the unleash of that collective genius just by
0: these bits and pieces. Exactly. It's uh, how are you going to get rid of pen and paper?
1: Well, part of that, again, is we'll end up being able to do dispatch for tasks. and yep. In the integrated platform, Mobilaris, we should be able to eventually send operators the, the daily plans, the dig plans, the drill plans, all of that should be available. Yep. Um, part of the system will understand, yep, a hole's been drilled, it'll record it, and that can get updated, and that should be live data. So. It's a bit of a holy grail, but we are heading towards working out how you can do that and get it all digital, yeah. within reason. But, yeah. but but that is part of the, the you know the five year plan. That's where we'd like to get to.
0: I'm sure um, administrative staff would love reading a plot that isn't covered in <laughs> grease and oil. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, what we want to do is do away with plots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if the
2: stuff's automatically captured that gives you greater time in your day mm. to think about being more efficient at the job.
0: Well, yeah, I've, I've, been, I've been at mines where you you write a plot out on a pen and paper, you call the exact same stuff up to mine control. You're doing the same thing twice, and it's all probably been distributed five different ways after that. Then so, it
1: gets loaded into a spreadsheet. Yeah. Then, then it gets compiled, <laughs> and it probably goes through 10 steps. Yeah. And that's part of what we're trying to see if we can do a bit more efficiently and differently.
0: Yep. So that's, that's, that's I guess, safety technology. Well, you're talking about climate change before. What about uh, the battery side of things? Where, uh, where, where, where are you heading with that? Yeah,
2: look, I think it's important to understand that we, we have a, a segment a part of the roadmap called maintaining social license to operate. And that's where all this green technology, all the health, that's where that fits in. Where we're heading with this is really two things we're plugging away at. The first one is to try to get as much green energy as we can. Give an example, the wind farm at Agnew. Oh, right.
0: brilliant. Okay. Yeah. What Hello? a sight.
2: What a sight. Yeah, that's a Who real Who would have
0: said wind turbines would never be an eyesore. It's just unbelievable. That's it's right. Unbelievable, so. <laughs> but,
2: but say you look at this, if you look at the UK power now, 50% of the power in the United Kingdom is generated by renewables. So it actually just shows you about what the scope is for this stuff. And it's not huge dollars. You look at what Andrew's done, working on to the Agnew experience, he started to actually plan a, a solar, he's got a solar station at Granny's.
0: Well, oh, I think we've got a photo of that. Yeah, too. you've
2: got a solar station at Granny's with, with, pa- with a battery facility as well. South Deep there is starting go. to plan a battery, a battery solar That's facility as well. There. You know, St. Ives is starting to go that way. So one of the thrust on this green side and decarbonization is putting in solar energy. Yep. I mean, the new mine we're building in South America, we have a solar station going in there. And we're going to have about 10 to 20 percent of our power generated by, by green energy, okay initially. So I think that's something. The other thrust we're doing is there's a project called Cleaner Safer Vehicles okay? and, and effectively that's where we're trying to get rid of diesel engines underground. yep and this is where the, the St. Ives battery electric, uh, battery, electric uh, facility, battery electric trials come in. Uh, This is where the kind of getting rid of high high sulfur fuels come in. This is where these tier four engines come in. All this type of stuff, trying to get rid of diesel emissions underground to make our environments a lot more cleaner. Plus, we're not burning diesel as well, which is another offset on our green energy. So if you look at the green side of decarbonization, those are the major thrusts which we're initially working on now, and you can see some visible stuff. You
0: know, well, and you look at the that the solar farm. It, I'm probably might be pulling some figures out, but I think I heard at Warunga between the wind turbine, solar, and hybrid power station, it was powering. It could power 60 percent of the mine at the right conditions. That's
2: right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So yeah. it fits in with the UK figure of. You can take fifty percent of your power. Mm.
0: And power that's like, that's power in like yeah. high energy mills and that's pretty impressive. Yeah. It's uh it well you look at the solar farm there. Is that which is bigger? We're so all grannies.
1: That the grannies one... The solar is bigger at Granny's, but with the wind farm combination at Agnew, mm. they're getting um, a lot more renewable okay. energy. So Granny's is getting about 10%, 20,000 panels through there. It covers a huge area, about mm. a kilometre by just under a kilometre, um, and it's working really well. Um, obviously, you get a bit more energy coming through in summer, but yep. it's new, but a Greco um, we've worked with a Greco on this one, and really it lets us utilise less gas um, and more renewable energy. So again, talk about sustainability; it's really helping in the yeah. environment on that side. Less less carbon dioxide emissions is a positive thing.
0: What about the wind turbine side of things? Is that is that stopping at Warunga? Is that a, is that a something that might you might see on other Goldfields sites?
1: Yeah, we're doing some studies now on um, with SODAR. So that's a, a device that checks the wind speed up a little bit higher, up to 100 metres, where you'll end up with the, the turbines. Yep. It's possible we'll look at something. I think the key with this is that when you do big investments and you need to take out, for example, 10-year leases so that the investment can make sense and that's the sort of thing that's happened with wawonga um the the turbines and the solar farm at at granny's and agnew yeah so granny's has already gone through one of those which is how we got the solar so it's not easy to just whack up um turbines But the potential definitely exists. The wind speeds are, are very similar and slightly more than Agnew. Yeah. So we could do something into the future to add into that renewable component. Yeah. But so- it's great what Agnew has done, and they're really leading the way um, with that whole battery turbine and solar system. Is unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, I was I was there watching it go up. It was. Um- You'd come out of the hole, you go down for day shift or whatever, pop back out that night, oh, there's another one up. (laughs) um, If you kind of look at the thrust
2: of the company, and it's not like a direct thrust, the thrust of the company is primarily solar. Mm. That's in the next 18 months. We will probably look at wind turbines, but as Andrew said, is we looked at wind turbines for South America. But the problem you got there, and strange enough, in South America, Right in the high of the Andes, you don't get the wind density to turn the turbines. Yeah. So that's and the wind speeds as well. So our thrust is mainly solar, but there is something we are looking at, and that's gas trucks.
0: Yeah, right. So there's as in been, hard, hard, hydrogen gas or natural gas, or
2: that, that's kind of natural gas LNG. Yeah. Yep. So you can buy a gas conversion kit. It's called a dynamic blending. Yeah. So what it does is it displaces about fifty percent of your diesel. So what what we found with gas is. it you don't get a lot of energy from gas uh, compared with, with actual diesel. Yeah. So what we found is CAT have come up with a thing called a dynamic blending kit. So you basically put a ga- LNG gas tank and then you got a diesel tank. And what you do is for the stuff where you need lots of energy, you can use uh, diesel. For yeah. yeah. stuff on your flats, you can use gas. Yeah. And you blend the blend it. So you can get about a fifty to thirty percent offset. That's a pretty easy piece of kit. You come mm-hmm. along with a with a with a LNG tank. LNG drop tank. You do a conversion, about a half a million dollar conversion yep. on a truck, and away you go. So things like that type of stuff is another thrust which the company is actually investigating, and that's that fits in with our philosophy of taking kit that is available now, and and using the best available kit because that stuff's used in Mexico now.
0: Yeah, yeah. What about battery battery vehicles, battery trucks, battery light vehicles? Is is one of the biggest challenges? Inf- additional infrastructure, charging capacity, everything underground. Is that is what What would you say are the biggest thing stopping getting um, full battery light vehicles, for instance, underground?
1: I think if you start with the the biggest thing that's probably stopping us really opening up battery at Granny's is the depth and yeah. the batteries at the moment aren't capable to get your machines. On a on a decline that's over 1.2 kilometers and make it up without needing a recharge. Yep. But it's getting closer and closer. So the technology is going to get better. Um, you need you do need big underground charge systems, but the way we're actually going to start exploring this is we're running a pilot on light vehicles by a WA company, Murray's Engineering. They're looking. They've got a prototype for a a battery um lv that's a four-wheel drive so they're going to look at how they they've got this battery very cleverly developed and sits under the back tray and it's a a work that murray's has done with the siemens group so siemens are bringing in the battery and the charge technology murray's are doing the engineering and granny's is going to be doing some piloting of a couple of vehicles um, early next year yeah so that's really exciting because Reducing diesel emissions underground is really important. Now, I don't think the electric vehicles have really taken off yet but we're going to have a look at that space because we need to understand the design we don't even know if the vehicle will be able to make it through full shift yet and need a charge we, we need to try and get reduced less than one hour charge rate to get these batteries back up yeah but that's what we're looking at um to run a pilot and again the lead the leads murray on that so We'll see how they go, and hopefully that'll develop into something. But these things take a lot of time and, and
2: a big investment. So, so if you look at where we are on batteries, we're pretty much—if you remember when RCT systems, teleremote came in, you know, co-pilot teleremote came, came in, the mine gem systems on autonomous boggers, we're pretty much where we are on those top, where those systems were in 2000. You know, see those systems now are plug and play. Yep. We're pretty much where we are when those systems came out in around about 2008 or 2010. Yep. So we're about 80% of the way there in terms of battery battery vehicles. But the biggest prize is the trucks and the boggers.
0: Well, it's about to so is that, is that, that's that where the benefit's going to be, i sure? So,
2: so we see certainly what we've said is 2025 is probably where we would see those things coming in. And the real fundamental, there's two fundamental problems is you can only get so much energy in a battery. So we have units which can work now, but we can't get the life with the hardness of the work. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a physical thing of the chemistry of the batteries. And you see all the things about like cobalt, lithium, sodium, lithium. And, and then there's also the risk about fire and things like that. So you see all of those. Technical type stuff that's got to be flushed out and working. We, we have the systems to work, we can work jumbos, but they don't use the heavy energy. Light vehicles don't use that's not where the heavy energy saving is. So we see that panning out around about 25, but it's the people are working quite, quite uh, strongly. You'll see, I think Sandvik have just hooked in with a Californian battery technology company. Because they need the smarts and the batteries and what you put in the batteries. People are saying about these solid state batteries are going to save us, but we'll we'll see where we go. But there is something which is more important why we're trying this is we have to start to think about when these vehicles come in, how we would work with them. Yeah. You know, do we require additional electrical power for charging? Will we have the batteries on the vehicles? Will the batteries be taken off and charged? Will we swap the batteries? Who will? So all these, how will we work with these units? And we actually don't really know. People have told us in trial mines and things like that, what they'll try, but we don't really know as well. And and
0: as you said, like it's uh, additional infrastructure and like space to store batteries and- All sorts of stuff. I'll actually show you, I've got a video with uh of the actual artisan z50 show and the actual battery change out it's um it's pretty impressive i'll just here we go so that that's how it actually changes so that sits on the right yeah. inside of the cabinet it's literally i think it's six minutes they've got it down to unplug it reverse back go get another one so lot the potential is there but the infrastructure needs to be there to support it
2: Well you imagine is, you do that times 10 or times 20 exactly yeah right what do you actually need to support that so that's the type of thing which we're trying to work out now because even though these units aren't ready they will be ready sometimes and we have to be ready for them
0: well do you think the best what are your thoughts at the moment there's always going to be a, a mix of diesel and batteries the most is a sensible thing to aim for.
1: I think it's a moving target. So right now, we're still sitting on diesel and just touching battery in goldfields, but we are running some battery trials at other mines as well with the heavy equipment. So it will eventually, and what it needs to become is all battery. And I think it will. And we need to do that for a safety and an energy and a sustainability aspect. It's going to take quite a while, but that's where... We can head there. There are vehicles that are very close. The trucks is still a challenge, but there will be a way to do it. But the trucks is the one that's not quite um, probably the biggest one that's still got a lot of work to happen. But it will happen eventually. I think it should be 100% battery.
0: Where do you think one of the biggest benefits is Getting rid of ventilation restrictions, having battery equipment. Is that, is that one of the big things you see positive about battery trucks and loaders? There's On so nations. much.
1: I, I think the first thing would be yeah. diesel particulates underground. Yep. Yeah. That's got to be number one. And then, yep, maintenance and everything that comes along with that will, yeah. will be a, a better thing for the
0: industry. So when you say maintenance, uh, easier to maintain a battery equipment than well, a diesel. Easier to maintain. I mean, just look at how a combustion engine works. Less it, moving parts. It, yeah.
2: it works on explosion. Yeah. Works on an explosion where you transmit the energy. So you imagine you have an explosion occurring every microsecond, what have you. What does that do to your whole system? It's got to have some fatigue element. High energy. And a whole bunch of moving parts. You look at your electrical engines are a lot simpler. The battery engines are a lot simpler so there's a lot simpler components to actually maintain in an electric car we actually know this because if you look at where where they've done that you talk to a taxi driver in london if you ever go to london they've actually boris johnson converted them all to electric taxis gave them a loan and you go talk to a taxi driver and he'll tell you the amount of maintenance they have on taxis in london so it's a similar type of t- type of function
0: yeah We've, it'd be rude not to uh, give Granny. We've given Granny Smith a good plug today, but uh, here, this is part of the re- recruitment role you'll have today. <laughs> we've got a few photos <laughs> actually of Granny, the Granny site. Uh, a few, a few smiling faces. with uh, the non techno Oh, there, there, there we go. Or um, post, oh, place boy. the poster boy again. Place <laughs> the poster boy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Give us give us an overview about grannies as a site i think we we've, we've talked about i guess the technology um but i guess about the 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 site the people what 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 what's it about yeah
1: so i guess first of all grannies is situated about 740 kilometers northeast of perth um, the closest towns laverton so it's a fifo site there's about uh, Seven to eight hundred of us, depending how many projects are going at any one time, 550 gold fields where owner operated. Um, and yeah, the whole Granny's area has been running for and operating started with open pits for over 30 years now. And the Wallaby Underground's been going for 15. So it's been around for a very long time and seen quite a bit of change. Yeah. We've got a good modern camp and we, we spend time and energy to try and make it a place that is very family friendly because um, we're there so often, um, nearly as much with our family at yeah. home as we are on site. We've you know upgraded our gym, we've got a music room. We try to make sure there's really good sleeping quarters. Um, we put on special events For people to celebrate. Pig on a spit, by the looks Pig on (laughs) on (laughs) a spit occasionally.
2: I can play a band as well.
1: This is is important. We we bring musicians up. Um, We have open mic nights. It's a a lot of fun trying to help people to feel at ease and relax after hours because that's really important. We spend so much time up there, typically eight and six type roster. So, you know, we think it's a pretty um, friendly site. Um, I think it would be one of the safer mines in WA. Um, We spend a lot of work on that with goldfields to make sure all our sites are safe. So if we can build the safety side, we try to build the engagement side. We try to make work as enjoyable as it can be um, in that environment. And um, overall, we have pretty low turnover rates as well, so that all helps.
0: Um, so don't hit you up for a job then. If people <laughs> look, <and> everyone's <laughs> so too happy. Absolutely,
1: there. send send your resumes in. Um, he's, we he's love a, to hear on. from quality people. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, yeah, that's a little um, one from our Facebook page. So. Um, yep. Lauren Robinson, my PA, has done a lot of work to get a Facebook page up and running. And, and thanks and- for all the photos too,
0: mm. Lauren. I said I'd give her an honourable mention in this. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, she does a great job. Yeah. And so that Facebook page is another piece of our engagement and communication where pe- we give people information and they get a chance to see what's going on. Yep. Um, and it's, you know, so it's on their phones. It's relatively easy for everyone to get hold of. But it's also, they get a chance to give us comments and feedback on some of the things that are going on, which is really useful. Um, Sometimes it's positive. Most of the time it is. Sometimes it's negative. um, But that's important for us to get hold of that and understand what are the challenges? What are people going through? So we're trying to make an environment that is, you know, really conducive to people wanting to be there, enjoying themselves. We also do a lot of work on the mental health side. Um, as well as your normal counselling service, we bring a, um, a counsellor to site three days a week so people can catch up with them. Um, just, again, trying to look out for people's well-being on yep. the mental side, physical side, health side, all of that. We, we do a lot of work in that space.
0: It's, it's, it's such a good flavour these days that companies are so proactive about the mental health side of things because it just comes in so many different shapes and forms whether it's could be just as simple as missing your family like, like you, there mightn't be any bad things going on in your life it's just tough I like I speak for myself the first week the other week I went to work and the, the talk to the message she said it's Chloe our daughter was the first week she actually was looking around for trying to find where I was like you know and then that, that's yeah. I'm not alone there that's um yeah. But and FIFO exacerbates any sort of negative thing going on there. But if you're at a site like Granny's or and there's so many more great sites around WA, it just makes it so much easier going through the issues of being away from your family. It's um it's comforting for us rock apes know. to know that people are doing all the hard work <laughs> above <laughs> us to make make it make it pleasurable to be there. Yeah. It's uh So you said where if if someone wants to work at Granny's, like like, and why wouldn't you after hearing all this? (laughs) 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 Where where do they? Where do you direct people to? to Flick your resumes in. There'll and- be a Goldfields
1: website. Um, there is a Facebook page, but the the Goldfields website's probably a good place to start.
0: For, yeah. And there'll be a
1: HR section in there and vacancies. I'll chuck
0: a link up to that, no doubt, after this. Yeah, we the, can do that. Is there, is, there a, is there a preferential granny's box you can tick? To- <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. That's the one at the top of the list. Yeah.
0: Well, this has just been fantastic today. Thanks so much for uh, well, I think mm. we've another good... Hopefully not the last one either. You, no, you, Richard, you might be in popular demand after this YouTube. So, episode. so am i in popular demand. <laughs> what for money or what? Is your uh, uh, the young ones will be pretty impressed that Dad's on YouTube, I reckon. Or when you told them, they probably they're, won't they're, believe they're, you. They're
2: not so young. They're going to hit me up with some more money. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks for I think we've covered it all. Any any. Have we have we anything else you want to get in there before we hit the stop button? I think it's no, uh, that's fine. I think it's been a great yeah. yarn and it's no, uh, exciting so. the direction your Goldfields has gone with this and I'll look forward to hearing more about it. So it's uh, thanks very much, lads. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Th-
2: thanks Andrew for coming along. No problem thanks with you, your story. Thank
0: you. Thanks very much, Richard and Andrew, champions. Great yarn about technology. Absolutely loved it. Looking forward to seeing all this new stuff in MindSites very soon. Now remember, if and like guaranteed you do want to work for Goldfields after listening to this, go to careers.goldfields.com.au, flick your resume, tip the top, tick the top box that says Granny Smith, as Andrew said, and uh, oh, I'm sure they'll give you a job, piece of cake. Righto, thanks everyone. Stay safe out there. wrote.